Sunday card. It's our summer sessions. It's like two-a-days, baby. We're going full throttle in it, running depth charts left, right, and center. Can't wait to dive deep into each division this summer for our positional rankings show. How does this work, you might ask? Well, if you've been a follower of the show for the last couple of years, you know that every summer we go through each division and we rank the four teams in each division by position. So quarterback room, running back room, pass catchers, defenses, coaching. We are back in the saddle for all of those rankings and we're going to do it all summer long right here on the Sunday card. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Sobreth, Lou Paracone. The lemon pepper is a smelling. If you ain't seasoning, you ain't sneezing. Or maybe it's the other way around. I think it is. Anyway, let's get into it, Matthew, with the AFC East today, brother. How we doing? Doing great. I mean, we're starting off with no. We this has kind of always been our trend. We just start with our local market. Obviously, two two fans of t- two teams in this division here, but. I mean, this is this is just a premier division now in the NFL. I mean, now that we've oh. got one of the major quarterback acquisitions, uh, it, it just this is a, a very fun division to talk about. So I'm glad we're starting here. It's the AFC beast, right, Lewis? Hey, listen, that was Rodgers, Josh Allen, I, and McCorkle, uh, and two <laughs> all in the same division. Yeah, man, best division in football, maybe. Good you know? said it. You said it, not me. I mean, um, that's what it is. I'll so. As we go through it, Matt, I thought it would be fun before we started the positional rankings to give you a little quiz, a little player comp, if you will. So if I'm going to give you player A, and player A is going to be a prominent player at his position, and player B is going to be a player in the AFC East, plays the same position, and you got to tell me who it is. It's a blind resume season. Yes. Some blind resumes. I love this. Kind of like this. Okay. So here we go, and Lou, you can play along too. Player A has 213 carries for 1,121 yards and two touchdowns rushing. Average 5.3 yards per carry. He also had 59 catches on 72 targets for just under 400 yards and five touchdowns with 6.7 yards per catch. So that's player A, one of the prominent players at the position. Player B, 210 carries for 1,040 yards and five touchdowns. He had 69 catches on 88 targets. He had 420 yards receiving, but just one receiving touchdown with 6.1 yards per reception. Player A is a prominent player at the position, which I think you can figure out is running back. And player B... Is a problem is a player in the AFC East. Matt, you got to guess on who these two players are. So player A, the pass catching is higher up there. So it's a it's a heavy pass catching running back. I don't think the numbers are big enough to be a Christian McCaffrey or an Austin Eckler. Not quite. So I'll Not just quite. I'll go over it again real quick. Player A, player A had more, just barely slightly more carries, slightly more yards. But he only had two touchdowns compared to five rushing touchdowns. Player B had more catches on more targets, more receiving yards, but only one touchdown in comparison to player A's five touchdowns receiving. So this is a toughie. Is player A Dalvin Cook? It is not, but that is pretty close. Mm-hmm. My, my next guess was going to be Kamara, but I feel like he had more touchdowns. 
It is not. It is not. You think fantasy. This is oh, good for your um, fantasy. Aaron Jones? No, he had more he touchdowns. Is, yeah, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Jones. Jones? Okay. Aaron Jones is player A. And player B, B is reminder seats. That's great. You're Come on. great. I knew, I knew that one. I knew that right, right off away. The right off the bat. But it's funny to just say that those two players are pretty much right there with each other. And we have very different views for them. Yeah, I mean, as far, especially, I mean, talk about fantasy perspective, just draft capital of that. I mean, Ramondre was like a seventh, eighth round guy, you know, was starting the year was behind Damian Harris. Yes, last year, even though I think a lot of people in the fantasy community kind of knew that. We, we everybody saw it two years ago was like Ramondre is the better running back. He got he got barely any carries two two seasons ago, but it was like the talent should win out here in this position. And and last year it showed up when when Harris finally went down and Ramondre took that role and kind of ran with it. The thing that jumped out at me was sixty nine catches on eighty eight targets. Yeah. I like forty of those had to be screen passes. That that was the only that that made him stand out as player B that's the only running back in this division. I could think that would have had that much volume in the passing game. It's the only player I could even come close to, to getting that with. And, and to be honest, I thought it might've been a, a Miami running back or something, but like to go 69 catches and then being obviously the, the leading rusher in the division last year, you could see where that would go. So just get interesting. Think about a fantasy perspective. If you're looking for a guy, Maybe that oh, there's value here on Landre. There might be somebody later in a receiver that we do later down the line that you might actually see. Let's get into it. And as always, we start with the premier position. We're going to start with quarterbacks at the positional ranking spot. This ought to be really interesting. Matt, we're just going to bang it out. You're going to tell me who you had, and then I'm going to tell you who you had, and then we're going to discuss it. So you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. You want to go four to one or one to four? Go four to one, make it successful. Four to one, bottom to top. Okay, that's what I was hoping you'd say. Well, we'll get you started. I know you've been waiting to hear this. Patriots rolling at number four. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. Uh, number three, I have the Dolphins. Tua and the Savior, Mike White. Uh, number two is Bills, the Allen and Allen Law Firm with uh, Josh and Kyle. And comes in the division and, and steps right up to the top of the podium. Mr. Rogers with good old Zach Wilson backing you up uh, with the Jets at the number one of the quarterback room. All right. I have the exact same list. Okay. that's. I thought this one was cut and dry. I did not think there was many. Did not feel like there was a lot of wiggle room in this one at all. I want to just explain for the audience just why. We, well, I think why we're on the same page. If we want to – we'll get into Mac and Tua talk in a second here. But in terms of Rodgers and Allen, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you're not going to compare the two last year – stats wise but Aaron Rodgers having a bad year coming off of two straight MVPs and really quantify bad is the guy had 26 touchdowns and 12 picks he had 36 30 almost 3700 yards he was still pretty good it's just obviously what we were used to seeing it was one of his very rare years where he threw more than 10 interceptions and obviously the offense wasn't cooking with Josh Allen I think your concerns I this is my concern maybe is the rushing game is there, and you almost forget. He had, he had over 750 yards rushing. So thinking about that, it was hard to put Aaron Rodgers over Josh Allen. But you still have the more interceptions last year. You still have a lower completion percentage last year. The yards per attempt are still just barely, you know, over seven. It's not very good compared to, you know, other quarterbacks in the division. Um and again, the room, I think, you know, you could say room. I think they're pretty comparable team. I know Zach Wilson, we have a bad view of Zach Wilson, but for a backup, I think Zach Wilson would be solid. 
I just think Aaron Rodgers is my preferred player over Josh Allen that might take more chances. Yeah, and again, Josh Allen's stats came down last year as well compared to you know his two years ago when he was off the charts with accuracy, even pre-injury, even pre his UCL injury, you know, week 10 or so, whatever that was, kind of halfway through the season. Um, his numbers were down. His accuracy wasn't nearly – he had – he had that kind of I, – I, I really do think it would be an anomaly of a year for him uh, in that 2020 season uh, where he was just highly accurate, uh, really explosive at all times. I mean, uh, those seasons come around every once in a while, but it's very hard to repeat, especially, again, you've got to stay healthy and, you know, for a full, full six months of, of this league mm-hmm. going on. So um, hard to repeat those numbers from year to year. And, and Rodgers, we just clearly have a longer track record of being able to do that, and we think that – uh, his anomaly of a bad year is again is like a twelve inter twenty six touchdown twelve interception year, Seriously. and expect those numbers to get a lot a, a lot tighter and safer. Uh, now that he's got some weapons back around him, I would kill for next. I would kill for Mac Jones to have Aaron Rodgers twenty twenty two season. I really <laughs> exactly would, exactly honestly. How close was Mac and the rest of the group to Tua? No, I, I think Tua is so perfectly cemented in that three spot after last year. I mean, again, the 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 year that Mac Jones has, Mac Jones has a lot of digging to get. Yes, he had a solid rookie year. Not phenomenal, not great. He's got a lot of digging to do just to get back to that solid level, I think. How okay, so in in talking about this, I I agree with you. These are prove it years for both of these players. Mac because I don't think Bill is going to have as much patience for Mac as as most other teams would have patience for Mac. And, you know, especially with some of the antics and the immaturity, he's a very smart player, but he does some things that rub people the wrong way. And I can't put him up above Tua having less than 3,000 yards, having a 14 to 11 touchdown to interception ratio. With Tua, the guy is in his fourth year and he's never played a full season. Yeah. So he had a great year last year in four, in 13 games. He only played in 13 games, led the league in passer rating, led the league in yards per attempt. Again, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in the build, building with the coach, we can get into that conversation, you know, till the cows come home. But to me, it's about if Tua doesn't play a full season, I just don't see how he is the quarterback next year in Miami going forward, even with that fifth-year option that they could exercise if they wanted to. I just – I can't see it now with, with, that, with that hanging over his head. I just don't see it. But he is currently – I think currently you would have to put him in his room ahead of the Mac Jones, the Bailey Zappi, the Trace McSorley room. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about what wouldn't have got out of here without listing that name. <laughs> Had to throw it in. Had to throw it in. All right. So clean, clean start again, as usual, on on par. You know, I wonder if we'll be clean in this next one in the running back room, because I had some trouble. I had some trouble figuring it out. I got to be honest. There's going to be some discrepancies here. I want you to go first on this one. Okay. Pat, put, a, put the ball in your court. Four to one. New York Jets. Buffalo Bills. Miami Dolphins. New England Patriots. Okay. Tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. Okay. I have here uh, Buffalo Bills, four. Patriots three. Oh, really? Jets two. And Miami one. Okay. So I will let's <laughs> let's I'm gonna address so you having the Patriots number one. You clearly just listed Ramondre's stats. Ramondre does have 
numbers that keep him up with the rest of the league. I originally, I did definitely have the Pats fourth before because I was because the big part about running back rooms much more so than quarterback rooms. Quarterback rooms we care about the top. Running back rooms depth is required. You're going to have running back. There's very rare you get a running back to play 16 or 17 games in a year. So you need to have the depth behind him. And I wasn't, you know, Ty Montgomery. I still, I, I, I kind of get why he's still on. T- I just don't love Ty Montgomery as a running back. I don't think he does. He does everything. He doesn't kind of average. Yeah, like he he he's there for pass blocking and catching and you know wide receiver turn into running back. James Robinson obviously has been, had some good years in, in in Jacksonville and got traded to the Jets for a little bit last year uh, towards the tail end. So he's okay. Um, and, and I agree that Ramondre's maybe the best running back in this division, but I just can't stand the depth behind him. Um, the Bills and so the Bills at four. I, I had the much higher too, but then because we like the additions they made. We like the additions they made, right? But are any of these guys that, like, I really was trying, I caught myself trying to give them a little too much credit for getting Latavius Murray. Because I remember Latavius Murray in the front. Like, he's old. He's haggard. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to be a good, he's good for a couple goal line punch-ins, but, like, we can't give them too much credit for adding Latavius Murray. And Damian Harris just lost his job to another guy in this division. You know what I mean? So, like, I mean, it was pretty clear that he got a, he got out work. So, I, the Bills are for... They've got pieces, but it's just not the priority of their team. So it's not. Matt, you, you could just say this. The Bills' leading rusher is Josh Allen. Exactly. By 250 yards. Like, right. So what am I supposed to do with that? You know, I think their depth is better. I think they have they, they have kind of the same running back. If James Cook actually, like, you know, projects this year to what he could be as a pass catcher, Fine. They still don't have a pass catching back. Like Naheem Hines is not cutting it for you. Yeah. And like so James Cook has to start stepping up in that pass catching role for sure. Um, because Harris is not going to do it. That's clearly no. that's that's why he lost the role in the Wings because Ramondre was such a better, you know, could do everything kind of back. And you're less predictable when they're in the game saying, OK, they're going to be running the ball because Damian Harris is not, you know, catching the side of the backfield. Right. Number two, I put the Jets because I mean. I know we saw Brees Hall for seven games, but man, I think that he, I, I said how Ramondre as of last year was the best running back in this division. If, if Brees plays the full season, I don't see how he doesn't finish with the best stats in this, in this division here. I, I really don't. Really? I think that, I think that he's special. I think he's great. And then Michael Carter is another back. They have two backs that can do everything. You have two backs that you can plug in and they can be running the ball, passing the ball, pass blocking in no matter situ- what situation. So, and they don't have a lot of depth beyond those two guys. I get that. But I do – I just like what those two do. And then if we want to talk about depth, that's why Miami's number one. I mean, Miami has got like – not all these guys can make the roster because they got so many of them. But like maybe it's more so just them fitting the scheme. But, I mean, you've got Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Miles Gaskin. Uh, and then uh, help me with the name – the pronunciation of the last name of the kid they took out of a and Devon. Devon A-Chain. A- A-Chain. Who he obviously, I mean, granted, it's OTAs and it's coming out of the reports from camp, but loving, they're loving his versatility. And again, you just said the word, you said the five letter word that mm-hmm. matters down in Miami. And that's speed because it doesn't matter what weapon room we're talking about with them, they've got speed everywhere. Uh, and so the Dolphins' depth and their ability to just go from next man to next man to next man put them at the top for me. I agree with you. I think the Dolphins have depth, but my the depth is Raheem Mostert now, who's going to be 31 or 32 years old next year. As He's your number one running back. 
I mean, we're aging here. Like, how many yeah. more, you know, grapes can you squeeze from this guy with that vino, you know? Jeff Wilson, another older back, 28 years old next year. It was been basically the third string running back in San Francisco for a while here. Um, I love A-Chain. I think that kid could be productive. I'm not sure in his first year. And then Gaskin, if, if he gets on the team, you know, obviously has some experience there. So that's why I have him number two. I agree with you. The reason why I have the Patriots number one is not only they have the best running back in this division, but I think that James Robinson, really, we're looking at an injury-plagued year last year. Years before, the guy has 850 yards, 1,000 yards in his rookie season. Like, he was a productive player and really just fits right into the role of what you're asking Damian Harris did last year. You're asking him to do, you know? You're not asking him to do too much in terms of the pass catching because Ramondre's got that covered. You hope those two rookies obviously come up the pike. And Ty Montgomery, I think, if he is finally healthy, will be in that spot. But Ramondre just does so many things for you, and he's so difficult to tackle that having him and Robinson as a one-two punch with guys that are, you know, have gotten some experience. That's why I had New England number one. Buffalo, like I said, yes, Josh Allen. Like, it's Josh Allen's running game. It's not any of these guys, you know. But I like the depth. I think, you know, you have – three solid running backs and Naheem Hines. So, you know, you look at that there with the Jets, you're just putting a lot, a lot, a lot on Brees Hall, who I think is a good player coming off an injury. Michael Carter, maybe we just don't see eye to eye on that player. I, I, I don't see him as, you know, dynamic. I think he's okay. I think he's an okay player. I don't see him as a bell cow too, you know, and then you're talking about two rookies as your, as your next guys up. Um, good luck. I mean, it's just it's just not a lot of depth at that position with one guy who, yeah, maybe he projects to be good, but we haven't seen it yet. And I need to see it out of Brees Hall before I'm going to, you know, give him the the goal, the green light, if you will. Yeah, I'm definitely buying on some Brees stock. I, that, that, the 2-3 yeah. decision between Jets and Pats for me was very, very close. And I think I just – I said, you know, I, we just we just got to put the chips in on, on, on Brees Lightning cool. um, on I, this one. I got to see a thousand yards and 70 catches. That's what I got to see out of Brees Hall. I mean, the guy had like 700 yards in seven games last year. Like he was, he was, he was sick last year in the first half. He was rolling. Let me see it. Now the pass catchers, I think in this spot, I think we're going to have a lot of controversy. I think we're going to have a lot of controversy here in this pass catchers role. I'll start. Go ahead. Pats are four. And I don't want to hear anything about it. (laughs) It's the, just the dust, most disgusting pass catching room I've looked at in a little while. Uh, I have the Jets three. I have the Jets three. They are extremes of youth and age. There's not a lot of middle around there. It is young guys or old guys. Uh, Bills at two. Speed kills at number one. The, the Dolphins. Okay. Pat's number four. Thank you. Bills number three. Miami number two. Jets number one. It was it was hard doing this. Miami, Buffalo, Jets, like all three, throwing it together. I just like the 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 kind of the Michigas, the 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 mix of what's going on in the Jets with the Jets. I really do. And if I if you want to take a stab on Brees Hall, fine. 
I'm going to take a stab on Garrett Wilson being number one with 1,100 yards with garbage at quarterback last year. And to me, I think this dude is sick. I've been telling everybody for two years when he was coming out of the draft that he was sick. I think he will be a bona fide one. I look at the rest of this, okay? And you're going to look at me and say, okay, Hill and Waddle, I get that, man. I get that. After that, we're seeing a pretty big drop-off, especially in the tight end room. Especially in the tight, the, the tight end room is not good for Miami it's, it's as, the as they're shaking out. I agree. I, I honestly, there was names I'm like, had, had kind of couple of who's, couple of who are we talking about here? I get you didn't like Gasicki and what he was fitting into it, but you like Durham Smythe and Eric Salbert. They're like, what are we talking about? Name those two guys. Where do those two guys go to college? You don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I barely ever heard of them. So, but I look at the depth of. Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Miko Hardman, I think you work with that. Like Alan Lazard and Gabe Davis, very comparable players. Very comparable players in terms of production. Yeah. Davis might be yeah. a little bit of a, of a stretch, more of a stretch down the field, big body. But Miko Hardman, I mean, you're asking him to be a three for you? There's speed right there. Garrett Wilson's, there's speed right there. You know, and and with the tight end room, you're, you're talking about Tyler Conklin, again, very comparable to a Dawson Knox, very similar production. Again, Dawson Knox, probably a little more field stretcher. And C.J. Ozama versus Dalton Kincaid, and I like Kincaid. I haven't seen him play. You know, Ozama's an athletic freak. So I get having digs there, like digs, digs, digs. I, it pains me to put Buffalo number three. But after that, man, Gabe Davis had a little bit of an eh year last year. Deontay Hardy, Justin Shorter, who's a rookie. Trent Sherfield, like, ugh, I'm pulling teeth with the rest of the roster. And then obviously New England, who might have the best one-two at tight end, but, you know, you're asking a lot from if the Juju Smith-Schuster thing better work is what you're really asking because after that it's a lot of B receivers. So I, I, like, I just like the Jets, Lewis. I like them. I, I like Garrett Wilson. I like what we're cooking in that pot more than I what I like in terms of depth from Miami. Tyreek Hill is still scary. You got to repeat that. You got to repeat what you did last year. And it, it, uh, is it repeatable, you know? Yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, the top two, I, I, I just – the Dolphins have the two best pass catchers. You know I mean? If you were to shrink this, if we're like kind of just looking yes. at the starters, obviously I think your top two – the team that has the best two options, that's Miami by far. Um I, I, yeah, yeah, I would say by far. Um, and I agree the depth is hurting them, but I still, I mean, Cedric Wilson and then Braxton Berrios to come in and do a little bit of that slot work. I know, again, it's not like a crazy name, but like Cedric Wilson, I don't really know what he did as far as numbers wise in, in Dallas last year. I mean, Dallas was a little bit of a mess. Well, he was on uh, the team last year. He was on oh, that's right. That's right. Um, Berrios, I think, does add a little bit of more. I guess they already have their their number one and two running underneath, though. You know, I mean, they're not even really running those deep routes. So it's like, I it's hard to see where he does come into that mix. I asked myself the question: If one of the top two receivers goes down, does this receiving core become one dimensional? Yeah, that's my thing. It's like if Hill or Waddle, one of those two guys goes down, especially Hill, are you scared of the receiving core? At all, you know, if Hill goes down, I am not at all afraid of Jalen Waddle leading the receiving car. I know what I have to do with him. Everybody else, like 
can beat me. I know I'm taking him away. Garrett Wilson goes down. At least I have guys that have been productive in the past where I'm saying, and I have a tight end room that I can rely on for Aaron Rodgers. Like, I feel more comfortable in that stretch. Certainly if Stephon Diggs goes down, it's it's a tough sell for me in Buffalo. Do we think Corey Davis makes the roster for the Jets? I think I, – I don't – I think he'll be traded. Yeah. And I think you'll see Cobb slash Denzel Mims. That's the tough – to have to cut Corey Davis to make room for Randall Cobb is kind of it's what horrible hurts a little bit. But, I, but I feel like, but I feel like Mims is out of town too. I don't know. I don't know. I, one of those guys is not. I feel like yeah. he's not going to be on the team. And it's you're gonna have Ra- It's not Cobb because he just came in. Like you it's know, not we, Cobb. We know, and we know why he's there. We know why he's there. So yeah. that's where it does feel hard to like. Corey Davis is older as well, but I mean he's only like thirty versus Cobb's being you know, on fifty. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> uh, apples and oranges. Um, I like it. I, I like – I see where you're going. I see the flash. I see Miami. I just have this nice stromboli-looking – what's the word I'm looking for, Liz? The food that I'm looking for. It's it's just like a – got a gumbo. You got a – Gumbo. I like got a, a gumbo. Yeah, you got a little, uh, yeah, a little shepherd's pie, a little – yeah. yeah. Whatever you're going for. Yeah. No, it's uh, – I like it. I, I, I do – I'm very excited for this year. I'll leave it at that. Oh, he's excited. Yeah. And, think- and, and not to not – to, well, you know, but I'll do it. I'll do it. If we get rid of Corey Davis, you know who we're going to try to make a play at. There's a guy. Oh, there's a guy who's been released. Yeah. A superstar. Yeah. <laughs> all in. All that in would all be in. ridiculous. Now we're talking. Now, now we're talking. Now you're talking. talking. Now we're talking Rams level spending. For, and you know how that one ended. Mm. So it's interesting. I feel like on those past two categories, you went a little more starter-based in the running back room, and I went a little more starter-based in the pass-catching room versus mm-hmm. I went more depth running back room, and you went a little more depth. You know, just, just a little bit. We kind of – You flipped a little. Yeah. You know, we did. And how we, how we, how we organize, organize things and analyze things, which is fine. It's just yeah. how, how our eyes catching things. So How we see offense in the modern day, you know, huh. what's important. Huh. How do we see defense in the modern day? Man, oh man, this is That's hard. A, this was really defense like, is I, always hard because again, we're we, we break you know we break offense down into three categories and then we just try and lump defense in all as one. And so it, it is it does become difficult. It definitely does. I'll be honest and straight up, these teams are like paper thin between each other. Like these are four very good defenses. Okay, I I feel like I have a, I feel like I feel like it's split top two bottom. Like I had a you know my one and two were set, but they could have flipped, and my three and four were set, but they could have flipped. I agree with that, with mine. But, but I don't I think do, we have the same. I don't think we will either. Top half, and bottom half. But it's your turn to go first. Oh shoot! All right, you're yeah. Gonna yell. You're gonna. I'm just waiting for the facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Buffalo four. Okay. Miami three, hmm? Jets two, there you go. Patriots yep. one. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh, go ahead. Patriots four. Oh my god. Dolphins three. Bills two. And Jets one. Tell me why 
the number one DVOA weighted defense last year is your least favorite defense. We know it's it's. I'm when I'm doing these lists, I'm looking at depth charts, right? Sure. I'm looking at looking at names on paper. I'm not looking at a lot of stats from last. I mean, I'm looking at a little bit, but like, I I wasn't looking at DVOA looking at this. I wasn't looking at how the team defense played last year because there's been changes in the defenses. That's why we're looking at these new units. And they they have impact players at each level of the defense for sure. And you've got a Matthew Judon uh, and you've got pieces everywhere, but I just don't feel like the units as a whole the cornerbacks, I'll be honest, in I mean, outside of the kid Christian Gonzalez that was drafted, I don't – I mean, you've got Jones and Jones back there. you got jo- you got three Joneses in your secondaries between the safeties and the cornerbacks. Uh, I just don't – I don't recognize a ton of these ga- these names. I know, obviously, you, you pay attention to them a lot more, but, like, none of these names pop off to me, especially – and I don't think from, like, the casuals fan as far as, like, that's an impact player on defense for me. Fair, totally fair. It's always been no name, really. That's what that's. For I mean, the that's the part. thing. That's the thing. So when I'm doing lists like this, it's hard to to say, yeah, but it's the Patriots and they get coached up and they yada yada. And and you could say coached up and that's fantastic. I love that. What the Patriots preach, as I've said for a long time, defensively their strategy is depth on the D line, depth in the secondary. That's what they have. That's what they have. And this team. We talked about last year. They haven't changed a thing about this defense except losing Devin McCourty is really the one thing. But they already had the Kyle Duggars and the Adrian Phillips and guys that were producing. Like, these guys produced. They caused turnovers. I went back and just watched all the Patriots highlights from last year. They had six touchdowns last year. Nobody else had three. Hold on. Hold on. They played Zach Wilson twice. Let, let's hold okay, on. Okay, they didn't score a defensive touchdown it, against Zach. But it's also a new schedule. Aaron Rodgers is in town. So I agree with Matt in the notion of looking at last year's statistics and how the defense played, throw it out the window. It's a new season. I agree with Matt. Look at the depth chart and the players and how are they going to produce this coming season. If yeah. you're – okay, you want to project, and I get that. I'm totally fine with that. I don't see how – where they paid they played Aaron Rodgers last year and they got a pick six on him against the Packers. So with a rookie. So again, another place. I mean, they played very well defensively against them last year. So for me, that's where the Patriots come in is the takeaways that they get, the coaching that they get, yes, but they're deep at these positions. They may not have super household names outside of Matt Judon, but they're deep. They cause turnovers. That's what they do. And they've done that consistently over a long period of time outside of the Tom Brady years. The Jets have, on paper, the deepest, like, you know, you look at depth, the Jets have just a massive amount of defensive line that they're playing. <laughs> Their massive. defensive line depth is absolutely insane. It's insane. It's insane. I mean, I could go – I just want to revisit it. You're talking about, in addition to Quinn and Williams, you, the John Franklin Myers, who's a really good player, Carl Lawson, Quentin Jefferson, who they bring in from Seattle. Al Woods, who they bring in from Seattle, who's a solid nose tackle. You got the first-round pick, Jermaine Johnson, from last year, and the first-round pick for Will McDonald this year. And Solomon Thomas, who has had an up-and-down career, was a top-five pick when he was picked. So you've got a lot of players that aren't being asked to to do a whole lot, aren't being asked to play 90% of the snaps, maybe 60 to 50% of the snaps. 
they're just running, they're running guys in and out on the defensive line. You add on to that a solid linebacking core. You add on to that the Sauce Garner, DJ Reed combination at corner. Are they, They're deeper now at safety. I like the Taylor Rapp addition. Like, this is a difficult defense to play. Like, they're going to be very, very tough. And then with Miami and Buffalo, Buffalo just, I mean, like, again, these teams for me are not that far apart. I just want to reiterate that. I mm. think Buffalo could end up being the best defense in this division. I really do think that. I just wonder, they have guys now that are older, they're getting older. They've allocated money in certain areas where you're like, hmm, that's interesting. You don't sign Tremaine Edmonds, but you sign Ed Oliver to a giant extension to make him almost a top 10 player at the position now. What are we doing in the secondary? Mm. And after, I guess I just got a bad taste left in my mouth from last year because they got punched in the face on the defense of line last year. And especially at the end of the year, they weren't very good at that position. Yeah, it's, I mean, they're, they're a team, again, they said, so their starter, you know, Ed Oliver, Von Miller, Gregory Rousseau, and then you've got, like, kind of one – you've got Shaq Lawson, who, again, talk about getting older. Leonard Floyd comes over. I think that's a good depth add um, for them. I, I do like that. Puna Ford as well. Um, I agree. You know, you've got Matt Milano, their, their linebacking position. Obviously, we, we talked about it. They, they lose uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, they draft Dorian Williams to try and fill that void. And I, I agree. Maybe, maybe my ranking of the bills being number two, I did maybe, maybe I'm putting too much weight in the secondary because you're right. Those players are aging, you know, Tredavious white. We, we talk about how fast corners go downhill and him coming off of it, you know, played half the season last year, missed the first half. Um, and then Jordan Poor and Micah Hyde, those are names that hold some weight, but the production, especially in the key moments of the past couple of years, I mean, they were they were kind of the ones getting chewed up. So I, I I could see you maybe pointing out that maybe I was putting a little bit too much weight into that secondary because that was my first thought was, I mean, they've got four solid, you know, Kyrie Elam had a good year uh, last year, Trey White coming back, but is he going to be the same? And then I put some good weight into that secondary and maybe, maybe I need to dial that back a little bit. Especially when you compare it to what the Miami Dolphins have. I was going to say, and talk about if we can continue with the aging corners conversation. We definitely can. But when you show me those corners and then you show me this, the four guys that you're going to throw out every single play in the secondary are Javon Holland, who's a young, really up and coming safety, Deshaun Elliott, who's in the same boat. And then you've got Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard on both sides. That's really difficult to deal with. Yeah. That's really difficult to deal with. I mean, and again, you're at a point where one of those guys goes down, you're still okay. Like, it's like you're still taking away half the field. Add on the idea of having, you know, Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, who's who's coming. That dude's coming. Yeah. On both sides of the end, you know, add on to the Christian Wilkins and yeah. the Raekwon Davises. And, you know, you've added these pieces. They may not be as deep, but they're starters. I mean, you know, that that's that's definitely what killed me. Like I mean, you said you've got Manuel Ogba comes over from Kansas City. You've got a couple guys that come over from San Francisco and Bronson and and, and Twayman, but those aren't again necessarily pop off the page depth pieces. Um, and I think that's definitely what what kept Miami in the bottom half of this list for me was just again defensive line depth because yeah put put that up against 
put that up against the Jets defensive line depth. It's insane. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I totally get the Jets. Like the Jets last year, you watched them and I'm like, you know, even playing them twice last year, it was just a slog. That 10-3 game was just a what nobody could move. Like it was just two immovable objects going against each other with those two defenses. It was incredible. So, you know, that's my lasting image. If there's a 10-3 game, those are the two best defenses in my in my in my categories right there between those two. So fair enough. I I like this. I like this group. I, I again, any one of these teams, I think, could be the best defense when all is said and done. Coaching. How do we feel now? Like I have some questions at like every spot really now. I have some questions. Yeah. Yeah. This is another one. You know, we try and take in not only head coach and the coordinators, but it kind of, at the end of the day, it really comes down to, uh, do you have an offensive defensive minded head coach? Okay. You got an offensive minded head coach, then pretty much the DC matters. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we, it kind of falls that way a little bit. So uh, I'll start on this one. I think I'm, I'm up here. So um, I have the jets at four. Thinking Salah and Hackett, uh, Dolphins at three, McDaniel's and Uncle Vic Fangio, uh, Bills. You've got uh, McDermott with no DC at all, so he's truly <laughs> handling it. And, and Ken Dorsey on the offense, and we've got Bill and Bill on the Patriots. Like we said, uh, in, in the Bills, we trust uh, the Patriots at number one because that's one that by default you will be on that list at number one from here on out uh, uh, as long as you got bill as the head coach and we did, and and i think the important thing about bill o'brien coming over is that bill can focus on bill belichick can focus on the de- <laughs> that's gonna be so I, I almost i almost had to clarify like oh as long as bill belichick that is uh, yeah isn't, isn't the top. that's gonna be so annoying as long that gives belichick a chance to work on the finite details and one of those things last year that killed him was special teams every week something was going wrong there Gerard Mayo is also the defensive coordinator. He almost got a head coaching job last year. So I feel really good where the coaches are. And if I, you know, that's where New England's going to obviously make their, you know, make their, uh, their food here is, is with the coaching game. I had Miami number two, Buffalo number three, and Jets number four. And I'll tell you why. Was Ken Dorsey a very good offensive coordinator last year? Like, I thought the, the offense kind of hit some walls really last year with them. And Leslie Frazier just out of the blue decides to, to take it off. Now you're throwing a lot on that head coach to have to focus on the defense. Yes, he's a defensive-minded head coach. I get it. But you're throwing a lot at him. The smartest thing in the world the Dolphins did last year and the number one free agency signing that they had was Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator. Oh, my God. You're giving him that secondary, that line, and like now you get Vic masterminding, you know, you know, listening to hearing Belichick talk about some of the best coaches in the game. I think he would love to have Vic Fangio on his staff, you know, and that's really high praise. The guy's been at it for 40 years. There's a reason why he's one of the best TCs in the game. I love what Miami did. McDaniels is going to have to step up his game. There's no question about that because in your second year is when teams start to figure you out. Can you be right. dynamic enough to, to maybe throw different wrinkles at things? You don't want to end up as, you know, a no-name OC. You want to be a Sean McVay and, or Kyle Shanahan and, and do that. The Jets are really by default. Again, 
Salah coaching the defense. We get it. Is he going to make the in-game decisions correctly is the question. Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett are more the offensive coordinators to me. Tandem, you know. So that's where I had it. So, yeah, so you had – you only just had uh, the Dolphins above the Bills at two with me. So, yeah, I think that one for me, because I had a note, like, you know, I just – McDermott as the head coach – the fact that he has, I, 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 I always think, think I'm like, oh, he's coach of the year winner, right? But he has, he hasn't won the AP coach of the year. He did win when I was doing research. He won the Sporting News 2022 coach of the year instead of Brian Dable. Um, so I just think that there is like, he is a very good head coach in this league. And the fact that he hasn't won a coach of the year is just like, it's shocking to me constantly because I really think I, I, I can always like remember that he's won one in the past like two, three seasons, but he hasn't. Um, and then McDaniel, you know, McDaniel's and, and, Vic Fangio, who Vic Fangio won the best assistant coach of the year in 2018 as the Bears DC. Um, mm-hmm. They were right there. They were they were right there for me. But I, I put a little bit of respect on McDermott's name as a head coach, uh, putting him up there, especially again, like you said, it's all well and good to come out with a little bit of shock and awe and, and some some surprises year one as McDaniels. But we all see when teams get some tape and teams get familiar, especially in the division. How's that going to be going forward? So I, I just, I, I put McDermott above, except above, but I, I granted, I get that the guy calling the offense is not necessarily all that proven. How many coaches do you think are better than Sean McDermott? Just off the top of your head. Oh boy. Firing around the league. He's he probably is right in that conversation for getting in the top five maybe really maybe i don't know that's a, that's a big question to ask me to to cite through i'm thinking so you've got you've got like Bel- i could roll you, you've through, got you've got say, Bel- let's see belichick right. shanahan uh mcveigh Tom, tomlin reed harbaugh vrabel vrabel yeah i guess yeah he's probably in that seven eight range is, is actually where i'm thinking Pro- i think he's yeah. certainly top 10 um, and probably, yeah, probably just, you can maybe make, we probably can't put him in the top five. Now that we listen to those names. Sean Payton. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Number one. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but no, I think, I think he's certainly top 10. Um, probably not quite top five. Yeah. Pete, Pete, you find him. Pete Carroll. Put him over. I don't know how to feel about nah, that. I, I don't, I never know with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, like. <laughs> Feels like he's just got like a posture. Like, am I still doing this? Am I still doing this at 80 years old, <laughs> chomping on my gum with my air monarchs on? Oldest guy in the league. I love it. That's it, man. That's all. That's all. I, I thought that was less contentious than in previous years. That and I and I think the reason being is because all these teams are so close. Yeah, know? I say the, we are splitting hairs, and it, there's a lot of ones where it's like, yeah, I, I didn't, you know anything that we had flipped, we were probably close to doing ourselves on our own end. Like, yeah, I was, I almost went that way, you know? So I, yeah. there was definitely a little bit that four good teams. I mean, well, outside of, outside of the, uh, the only thing that was just Pat's pass catching room. I mean, come on. Jeez, that's, that's definitely just, the worst. Is that, that's the if stinkiest we were doing room. A, it's the stinkiest yeah. room in this whole division. In this whole division. It's, it's the, it's, it's the room. It's the cellar. Like it's yeah. the cellar, you know, like you're not going down there. There's some, very scary old toys that your grandmother had that you don't want to look at. Like, I'm going to stub my toe in a paint can. Yes. <laughs> the lights don't work. Like we're, we're, we're going to be hoping a lot of stuff goes right with Kendrick Bourne and Taekwon Thornton this year. Let me tell you. Oh, oh, oh. Good luck. 
Yeah, but thank you. <laughs> We're going to need it. That's that's um, really how Mac Jones is going to get back to above average. I believe. I believe in the Bills. In bills we trust. Um, that's it, and that's all, gentlemen. Lewis, what'd you think? What What are you thinking about this year? What's the maybe? What's the narrative for the for the twenty twenty three AFC? All right. Well, listen. I think uh, as the Jets fan that I am, uh, I don't like all the hype. I actually can't stand it. Because when the end of the year comes and we don't make it to the Super Bowl, it's all oh, same old Jets, those goddamn Jets. Like, it's just going to be the same old. I got to live through the same crap. And it's just, um, yeah, uh, Dan, I think Brees Hall, I think you are highly underrating Brees Hall. I think he is going to be spectacular with Aaron Rodgers behind center. And I think Michael Carter is actually a good running back as a number two. Um, and I want to say before when I – Got on you about the uh, the defense for the Patriots. It was, uh, yeah. you know, I I would have had them number two. I'm splitting hairs, you know. I, I'm just saying sure. when they were so good last year, it's like they played Chip Skylark and Zach Wilson. All right, so it's like, you know, we'll see what happens this year. Yeah, they're excellently coached, right? And Bill, we trust yeah. as always. So yeah. play who you play. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> you gotta play the games. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta play the games. Yeah. Want to play bad? Sucks playing with expectations, Lou. Never good to play with the expectations. <laughs> he is. He is just still, just still hasn't gotten over. Not Let's good. ride. Still hasn't gotten over it. Unreal, Lou. Who's winning uh, game three? NBA finals. Miami at home. Miami. Miami and six is still alive. I was so nervous after game one. Yes, it is. Miami and six is alive. I I just want it to be two and two, two to two going back to Denver. Me too. I just want to. We want. I want those final three games. They get a best of three in those final three back. You know, home, home, home. I I, I love that. That's I, all I want for this finals. I thought it was a very good move by Spolstra to let Jokic do what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. and then just kind of. Take away Michael Porter was lost in game two. I mean, they, they the guy's next level, man. The guy's next level. Great coach. You wonder why LeBron left. Anyway. <laughs> you wonder. Uh, just don't send him to Dallas. Anyway, uh, we will be back next week for another edition. We'll we'll uh, we'll let you know when we get there. You know, uh, maybe we'll mix it up. Next week, I don't know. I haven't really decided, but we'll talk about it over the next week. Maybe we'll do, a, you know, an NFC division. Maybe we'll do another AFC division. Who knows? But we will see you next week for another divisional positional ranking. Thank you to Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silbreth, Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone, gentlemen. We'll see you next week on the Sunday Card. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silbreth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season, at The Sunday Card. And remember... If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.